This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello, everyone. So excited to continue uh, my 40th birthday podcast series with uh, great friends. I have here Eric and Stephanie. Welcome to the Rabbi Paris podcast. Yay. Yay. So excited <laughs> to join. Uh, I think something worth sharing is I was very into in San Francisco, and I still am, peer-to-peer connection, because although naturally you want mentorship from like very successful people, oh, if I could only talk to uh, you know, uh, Elon Musk or uh, Mark Zuckerberg, I could really hear how it's done. True, no doubt. But those guys actually write books and go on high-profile shows. You can get the wisdom you're looking for, uh, but on a personal level of like not only to get wisdom, but like to get like inspired to persevere and make changes, that you get a lot more on a peer-to-peer level where people who have done it, who are your age. So I was very into like getting people, you know, to inspire one another. And one of the things that I thought was very important was after you worked at uh, some of the big tech companies, San Francisco for a couple of years, Google, Facebook, uh, Salesforce, whatever it was, et cetera, I'd say, come on, you got to go on your own. You got you to gotta try something new. You're, you're brilliant. You're smart. The world you know, sought after all the smartest minds and brought them to the Bay Area to work and build these incredible tech companies. And you think you're like, okay, I'm doing well. I have a great salary and they, the perks are unlimited. I mean, the best food and, and literally dry cleaners to baby care if you needed that. And then let alone transportation. And I'm like, you know, you're getting too spiritually fat, too satiated, it's too good. And you're brilliant. And now's your time to use your creativity. They're not using your creativity. They're paying you not to, to just do what they need. Um, um, some are lucky to say that they are being used. And one of the people who I told that to was you, Eric. And you guys actually like, you know, came up with a plan and left Google and you straight up started a company. And since then, I've been able to use that story to inspire, you can't imagine how many people to make steps in their career and realize that it's going to work out. It's going to lead you to places that will really, uh, you know, help you grow. So I just, I'm bringing that up. I want to hear, well, based on that journey and now that people know that about you, like, well, what's happened? What would you share about that journey that people could really be inspired from? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, even just leaving was hard given that, I mean, I was, I was actually happy with my job. I liked the people that I worked with. Um, there wasn't necessarily any sort of urgency aside from like, I guess, time, which, which I mean, is everything. And when you think about it, uh, especially in retrospect um, and someone at the time had mentioned, I was like, Oh, you know, when do you think what the best time would, would be like when I have a lot of traction with some kind of a product, should I leave them? Which logically makes the most sense. But it's also hard to like build a startup while you're working a full-time job. Um, yeah. On many fronts, even if your job isn't necessarily overly demanding, just having like the headspace to think through whatever it is you're working on and just even get to that point. Some people do it and I applaud them, but for others, I mean, it's, it's really challenging. So someone at the time had told me to just pick a date. Like it can be arbitrary, even if you have nothing, just do it. And that's kind of what I did. I think I had decided maybe eight months before I was going to leave. Like, this is the date. Like, it was going to be, of course, in the new year. Um, I think it was like February of the new year. So I had January to kind of recover and just get my stuff in order. Um, and then and then I, I quit. And then I was like, okay, time to figure things out. Um, so that was one thing that, uh, that, like, was counterintuitive that I, you know, I, I don't know. Otherwise, I probably would have waited another year or two. But I was very happy with my decision. Uh, and then just along the way, I mean, especially because 
I mean, I've built a, a bootstrapped business, so I've never had, you know, uh, any sort of funding. Um, so at times, not that it can get lonely, but, you know, you're only accountable to yourself. And if you have a business partner to the two of you, and that's pretty much it. So just surrounding yourselves with, with like peers that are maybe in similar positions that you have some accountability and they're kind of kept up with what you're working on, almost like a masterminds group uh, has, was something that I did a, a few years ago that was really beneficial because um, if you just ask a mentor for advice, they might not have all the context uh, and all the history and the continuity, yeah. you know, from, you know, to, to really give you the full picture. Um, whereas if it's a peer and you're always sharing, you, need, you know, as long as you guys aren't competing, but, you know, you're, they're kind of up to date, you're kind of up to date with their business. It's just helpful to have another perspective. Um, and I mean, this, this exists now through like, uh, I guess, EO and there's a million other entrepreneurship organizations um, I did something kind of, I guess, informally, just, just a bunch of friends getting together on a, on a regular basis. But that's something that, you know, I'd, I'd probably join and I've heard good things about as well. That's brilliant. I, th- I, I really think that's brilliant. Getting yourself like a like-minded crew to check in with, um, a type of club that you're creating with, uh, with, for peer to peer, that's next level. You know, I was talking about, you know, just connecting peer to peer, but that's next level to really, you know, put it on the calendar to have accountability like that. It's really beautiful. Um, what, what, um, you know, you guys moved east, east, back to the East coast of Florida after San Francisco and, uh, you know, and you just, uh, you brought your business there and, and Steph, you know, you brought your professionalism and your, and your, and we call, you know, in, in, in Hebrew, they say, uh, the word chain, chain, they translate as beauty, but it really means like grace. Like I can bring things, I bring dignity to things. And when I think of you, Steph, I always think about the dignity you try to bring. We've done, we've done, uh, I've done, uh, uh talks for your workplace. And, uh, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about like, what was it like bringing your rabbi to the workplace? Because that's not, I have a lot of great friends, but very few take me to their workplace and say, hey, I want you to speak to all my, I, I believe that you're, that you're going to represent me in a way that I, want, I, I feel proud of to my colleagues and to the workplace around me. So um, uh, I, I, that was one of my uh, favorite times to be able to do that and a couple times. And so what, what's that like bringing uh, spirituality like that into the workplace? Well, yeah, thank you for those compliments, Eric. Take note. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I thought I got you when I first invited you for Google Lunch, so that's not why you joined and I wanted to do that. But um, in all seriousness, I do need to give credit to Eric because I invited you for additional context for the um, people listening and viewing. Um, it was called Jugglers, so Eric helped start that at Google, and it was a jugular organization, Jews at Google, um, and what was beautiful about that is like bringing you that I have a relationship with um, and also and introducing you to so many different types of people. And we were able to do that not only like in person, but when the pandemic hit, you were able to reach not only jugglers in the San Francisco Bay Area, it reached like nationally. And I think that's what was beautiful that there was even a woman who I know you've connected with offline from this, who you really touched her. She was saying to me how she was in a car accident that year and, um, you know, tuned into your talk and you really moved her. And I know Mm -hmm. that you guys have established a relationship outside of that. And I think just even during these tough times that we've been experiencing in the past two years, like looking positively and seeing the positive side of this, that you were able to touch people 
like nationally. And it wasn't just in a designated place where you're just seeing the people in front of you, which, you know, there's pros and cons to that too, but being able to touch people that you maybe would never interact with before. Yeah. I, I rely on, uh, on being, you know, not only for the people in my community to like, like take me into their life, but like, I want to be something that they can be proud of for their whole life. You know, like a lot of, a lot of people in leadership positions, uh, even if they're close with a lot of people, they keep them. I, I say they keep Judaism in the synagogue. And, and I always felt that that was a problem. You know, when you keep, you keep all the spirituality and all the divine energy and this, and this infinite, you know, uh, um, 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 inspiration that us Jews have, have within our culture, you leave it in the synagogue, not only you don't get the fullest extent of it, but all the things that you're trying to influence in the world struggle because it's part of you. It's, and if you, there's a part of you that you have to turn off, even at the workplace, it, it's not as strong and it's not as inspirational as if you can streamline it at some level. So it's always such an honor and it means so much to me that, uh, that, I, that I've been able to do that, let, let alone would Eric come by his office and have coffee when we lived in San Francisco and say hi to whoever was at the office. So these are, these are just as, uh, as incredible moments to me as making a Shabbat dinner or doing the rituals because, you know, real life, you know, IRL is just like, it's really, that's what really inspires us to, to get things going. Recently, somebody asked me like, what's, uh, what I try to do the most. And I'm like, I try to do things that are replicable, <laughs> you know, things that you can actually use and are relevant and are relatable. And sometimes it's not services, you know, sometimes that's just not that maybe on high holidays, you know, uh, it, it, you could, you could see yourself hosting in your house or something that everybody, uh, feels right. But the average, the average Jewish person is not necessarily living in the synagogue anymore. So the only way to do that is to create, you know, integration, and, uh, and after all, 40, which uh, we're, we're recording for, is about integration. I want to change the topic a little bit, but I know that we had a one-on-one and like I shared with you that, you know, for Judaism, I really um, um, love how it teaches you to be in the present. There's, you know, how, what can you do for yourself and others in this life? And one part of Judaism that I felt was a little lacking was the physical element to it. And I'm really into yoga and I share that with you. And I see now that you found the in-between and are yeah. doing that. And I'm so proud of you. And I would love, I don't know if you've done this yet, but to teach a yoga class. Um, and I would love to hear more about your experience and how you got into it, because it really makes me proud. I'm so glad you brought it up. Yeah, I, I, the yoga practice has been going well. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's such an incredible part of now my call, my physical experience. I think for the longest time, if I wanted to work out, it was like, oh, I'll go for a run or try to go to a gym and use weights. Or, but there was something, there was something missing. It was like I was adopting a methodology that wasn't. It was just okay, you know, uh, a means to uh, better health. But then I met this uh, gentleman, Audi Gozlan, who's a yoga master out of Montreal, and and I was able to learn through him. He's a Chabad guy, which means that he's he's. It's very unique to be a yoga master but also like a Chabad rabbi material. And, and I was surprised that, uh, that he didn't have a major religious following, but he had a really big Canadian following. He teaches mm-hmm. on, on Canadian public television, and he has, has a very strong online following. So 
I, I signed up for his teacher's course. And after the teacher's course, he was like, okay, now you could teach. And I was like, I can't teach. I can't do any of the moves. I just can integrate the knowledge. So to answer that question, yeah, I, I, I wanted to be able to share with my community the physicality of it. I don't know if I want to become a yoga teacher, but I'm open to what uh, Hashem, what the world sends my way. Um, but the, the basic idea of it is, is that I am a, I'm a student of Kabbalah. And I, and I learn Jewish mysticism every single day. It's a real part of my life. So all my meditations and all my breath work that I've ever done has always been related to this Jewish mysticism. And then I teach it over the year. I teach a little bit at, uh, at my classes, how to integrate it, at the high holidays, at my services, you know, parrot style, bringing a little bit of, of that uh, relevance. But to, the, but to the body, I was never able to bring it. Mm-hmm. And, and what he taught was that I could take all my all the wisdom I already know and live with and work with. And you, you create categories that all the wisdom connects to a letter in the alphabet. So every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, there's 22 primary letters of those. You take those letters and each one has something to contribute. For example, the letter bet, bays, just the way you spell bait is the same as buy it, a home. And the letter itself has a very strong foundation and a roof. So it's kind of like a buy it. And so the, the most um, home-like uh, uh, position in yoga posture is, the, is, is crescent, essentially, but like uh, warrior one would be, would be the main one. And that's where you have like your solid feet in the same direction and you create that base and, you know, and you have, and you have your arms using to acknowledge the roof element of it. And, and whether it's cactus arms or straight, you really can create that kind of warrior one positioning and that's the home. So all of a sudden when I'm doing warrior one, I'm thinking by it, I'm thinking, am I a home in my body? Am I at home in my space? Why do I need to be at home in my space? Well, God created a universe that everything is a micro home. The room you're in, but also the body you're in. Also the mind frame you're in. Also the vitality that's engulfing you at the moment. There's a type of home. That's why even if you're struggling, you could still, you know, possess presence and totally feel what you're going through. So I'm like, wait, so all the teachings I know already, now I have this formula to connect it to the letters, which connect to the postures. We're in business over here. Now it's just a matter of me being able to talk and do something, you know, and also make sure no one gets hurt, right? This is a big part of teaching is learning how to guide people without them hurting themselves. So uh, starting from learning how to bend down, folding like a yud, and, uh, and like all the folding and condensed pose are yud, and every letter has yud to it. So like when you pass through learning the... Everything's been a, a joy. Um, so this Friday night, so this I'll give you the punctuation. This Friday night, we started dinner at 8 o'clock. And so candle lighting was already earlier. And there's been complaints of like, oh, we're not religious. Just let us light the candle. It's part of the ritual. And I'm like, nah, we're just going to have these candles that are lit already. This time, instead of saying anything, I was like, okay, we're not lighting candles tonight because they're lit already. My wife lit them earlier. But tonight we're going to integrate the candle within us. Okay, and everybody stand up, stand up tall, stand up tall, lift your hands. When you lift over and you go like a crescent over, you're like a race, which is standing straight on the ground and bent over. So either side, you're a race. And then sitting pose, you know, got to get in a seated position. You're the letter, letter nun. The letter nun sort of is like a curvature into a seated position. And nun for neshama, the soul, it's hard to come in the body. It's hard to integrate. But if you go from the letter nun, which is a sitting position, and you go to resh, standing up, 
and crescent over, you'll realize you're mimicking a flame, right? Mm -hmm. And nun resh, those two letters, is the word ner, a flame. So here's another way to integrate the concept of like, I can't light the candles because Shabbat happened already, but you can integrate the experience a little bit with a little movement. And you're like, wow, the whole point of lighting the flame is not just for light in the room. And so I should see myself as a candle and a flame. And when can I see it clearly on Shabbat? When I'm not defining myself by my work and by my external realities, only by my internal self-worth and my presence. So what a crazy new way to explain being present with the candle on Friday night, just a little bit of yoga action. So it was so much fun. I had a whole room doing the candle movement, and uh, so it was good stuff. So yeah, that's that's some new... uh, New like things that. that I've that I've new new tools that I've uh, taken for the for for uh, the new time we're in. That's, that's amazing. Great. I love the symbolism. Thank you for explaining. It's so beautiful how that all is connected and the the mindfulness of like just dissecting that and understanding you know the everything and how it's connected. And I think that's so beautiful. It's, it's very important for me because a vast majority of my community is into yoga and I have, haven't had anything to contribute in that area of their life. Mm-hmm. And for a lot, a lot of the people in my community, maybe for yourself included, there's a bit of prayer involved with it. There's a bit of like when I make the space in my mind for it. And wouldn't you know, Judaism has what to give you there too. And this is before mm-hmm. I tell you that the ancient Jews had some sort of yoga practice that we don't entirely know about, where Abraham, going all the way up to like King David, used the letters for, it says, King David's warriors did a practice through the ancient letters. And Abraham was doing breath work with his wife, Sarah, through the letters. So there was already this type of like connection. Uh, we're called Semites. You know, Sem comes from the Hebrew word shame, names. We named everything. But shame also comes from Neshima, breath. So it's like ideas and breath work come together to explore what you're dealing with in your reality. So I can't wait to, to give more so that you can use more of it in your own practice and just like find another element where your whole holistic self, ancestral nature plus your presence has, you know, uh, to benefit from your Jewish, you know, roots. That's great. No, yeah, I love that. And I think like, like I said, I think for me, yoga was meditation. It was a way of clearing my head and having that focus and I see that with prayer as well and so I love that it's combined in one and you found that (laughs) okay well I just want to thank you guys for coming on the podcast and I can't wait to visit you in Florida and keep celebrating this life and keep trying to persevere and entrepreneur and and integrate and all the beautiful things that uh, that uh, this is just a small tidbit of the conversations I'm pretty sure we have every time we meet so uh, it's just wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, well, love to celebrate with you in Miami. Celebrate your birthday with us. Can't wait. I'm taking that rain check. I'm going to show up. Good. We yeah, have an seriously. extra bedroom. Yeah, just show up. Yeah. That's not an invite for I mean, everyone. Yeah. Just it's not for. It. Okay, okay. <laughs> Listen, they may meet you for coffee. I don't think you're getting the extra bedroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Eric's office. So, <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, you got to fight him on that one. But okay. We'll love to meet you for coffee. Whoever's listening or watching, if you're in the Miami area. Amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks.